you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey everybody, it's Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're sitting out as a precaution. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio. We got all kinds of specialists in the studio. Give yourselves a round of applause. Josh, Susie, hi. Jack is back. Like, everybody's back. It's great. Uh, training camp is here. And uh, we have to go to training camp, Florio. It's great. That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's a thing we have been trying to do for uh, a few <laughs> years on this show. Finally happened. Big shout out to Susie and to uh, Thomas Warren for helping to make that happen. Yeah, we're giving you guys a round of applause because, um, you know, we've been trying to get to training camp for a while. There are three of them within relatively easy driving distance, uh, but finally we're able to make it happen. And so because of that, we are bringing you uh, a trio of interviews. We sat down with uh, Chargers running back Josh Kelly, with tight end Gerald Everett, and with Austin Eckler. So uh, we will sprinkle those in here in the midst of the podcast. Also, since we are pretty much into the preseason now, we are putting a bow on Florio's film festival with uh, one that, well, it's heat. I mean, it it, <laughs> it brings heat, it is heat. Uh, it I felt like it was a, a great way to wrap up what's been a good summer of movies, but uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts and also to get your final rankings with the uh, 15, 15 with an asterisk, 15 90s action movies, and then Snakes on a Plane. I, I left Snakes on a Plane yeah, out fair. of it because I was like, it, it's kind of in a different genre. It's its own thing. Uh, but I uh, can't wait to get your final rankings on that. But uh, let's get started with some news headlines because there has been a decent amount of news since we last spoke with you. The biggest news Whatever the hell is happening in Indianapolis right now. Jonathan Taylor has requested a trade. It was like things between he and the front office seemed to sort of be souring. Then Taylor spends, what, an hour or two on owner Jim Ursay's bus. And then pretty much immediately after that, he requested a trade. So whatever <laughs> went down on that bus, it went bad. So he doesn't want to be there. Uh, on top of it, there were reports that maybe he was going to go on the non-football injury list because he had a back issue. Taylor then tweeted immediately that I never complained about a back issue. I never reported a back issue. So, like, things are going great. Uh, to top things off, Zach Jim Monk. Jim Irsay had a tweet in there. Jim Irsay had a tweet <laughs> about, like, you know, if I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor's <laughs> gone, nobody's going to miss us. I mean, it literally is. It's the dog in the fiery room right now. Like, this is fine, apparently. Uh, Zach Moss breaks his arm. He's out four to six weeks. Short answer, a short question rather. WTF are we doing with the Colts backfield? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I have lowered Jonathan Taylor. So I keep saying there's like nine RB1s that I think are like rock solid RB1s. And I now have Jonathan Taylor eighth of those nine. Uh, him and Josh Jacobs are, are now the final two for me. But as this continues to go further and further into preseason, I will lower if, you know, like a week from now, Jonathan Taylor is still in whatever limbo we're in right now. and We don't know if he's going to play. I would have no choice but to lower him 
even further. Um, I will say I've taken a couple in like my best ball drafts. I've taken a couple of like 17th, 18th round flyers on Evan Hall. I think uh, Deion Jackson is someone you could also throw a dart on right now. But the real answer is you want to draft Anthony Richardson as your quarterback, <laughs> right. I think, because not only is he going to get all the passing yards, he's going to get all the rushing yards now as well. I mean, that was sort of my next question is what does this mean for him? Obviously, if there's no Jonathan Taylor, they're going to put a lot more pressure on him to sort of be everything and to get up to speed as quickly as possible. I, right, and we sort of liked him because of that rushing ability. That we don't, we are still waiting to see what he's going to be as a passer, but we know that he will give you a very safe rushing floor. I mean, we're we're projecting seven, eight hundred yards, maybe even more for Richardson this year. But no, Jonathan Taylor means that might be how he gets it done right i mean you know unless he somehow jumps in and is immediately like a 3500 yard passer that seems really unlikely yeah you know it just it that means he's gonna have to run a lot a lot a lot this year i I keep saying i think he could be like what justin fields was last year Mm -hmm. where fields gave you just over 2200 passing yards like that is bad but and he was averaging like one touchdown per game passing wise. But because of his legs, he was a must start fantasy guy. I could easily see Richardson having that same path. I mean, I think that's that's going to be it. I, I'll say this. I'm still willing to draft Jonathan Taylor. And I think what sort of works and talking to people who have been doing a lot more drafts than I have. Running backs are falling now. Yeah. And so that sort of gives you an opportunity that you can get in on a wide receiver or two early, come back around. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor right now with the panic might still be sitting there early third round because a lot of people are concerned. If that's the case, you know, maybe I would take a wide receiver in one, come back, get a a solid running back that I know is going to start the season, get him in the second round and maybe take Jonathan Taylor in the third round. That feels doable. That's a thing you couldn't have said in March or April, but it's doable now. Yeah, it is. And my approach, and it's why, like, I'm in on still, like, at cost on like Jamison Williams and Kadarius Tony and guys who aren't potentially going to be ready to start the season. Jonathan Taylor kind of slides right in there. Like it is a dice roll. The video of him walking around practice the other day, I will say like I raised an eyebrow at it. I was like, for a guy who's saying you have no back issues, you're walking like a guy who has some back <laughs> issues right now. Um, but if Jonathan Taylor, even let's say he's not himself or not even playing to start the year, but if you could have Jonathan Taylor plus another RB1 for the fantasy playoffs, that's all I care about. Like, I want my team to be at its best come the end of the season. Absolutely. And I think especially if you're talking about drafting best ball teams, why wouldn't you take that yeah. shot on Jonathan Taylor? Because then you don't even have to worry about putting him in the lineup. You just sit and you wait for those spike weeks to roll in and you're sitting really, really pretty. But here we go. Yet another running back that is in flux right now is... Uh, you know, we still wait to see what happens with Josh Jacobs. Uh, Dalvin Cook is still hanging out there. Ezekiel Elliott went to New England and left without a deal. Leonard Fournette still doesn't have a deal. Uh, yeah. You know, Melvin Gordon is the only like veteran free agent running back that's signed anywhere. <laughs> I would have bet money that he would have been the well, obviously I wouldn't do that because but I would have bet <laughs> something else. Theoretically, <laughs> that he would have been the <laughs> last running back uh, of that group to sign. Jelly beans. You would have bet yes. jelly beans yes. that uh, that he would have signed. Uh, yeah, so Melvin Gordon's in in Baltimore. I don't even think we've talked about that. Does that does that do anything for you? No. Okay. It, it to me, all it did was make me a little bit more concerned about J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, maybe that's it. But I'm not I'm not drafting Melvin Gordon anywhere. Uh, closer to us here in Los Angeles, Cooper Cup 
leaves practice recently with a hamstring injury. Reports are that he is going to be out for a number of weeks, but there is still an expectation that he should be ready to play for the Rams in week one. I mean, this is a guy that's being drafted among the top two or three wide receivers. He is a early first round pick in most drafts. Does this concern you? And if so, how much? It as of today, August 2nd, I am not that concerned because they the quote that came out was we expect him to be ready for scrimmages in a couple of weeks. So sometimes I think we forget that, yes, we're very close to the season starting, but we're still six weeks out. So there's still time for Cooper Cup. And I keep saying it like if you're a big name player and you suffer any sort of injury right now, they're going to shut you down. Yeah. Like that's just what they're going to do. So my thinking when I saw this was. I wonder if I can get Cooper Cup even cheaper now. Like, like if he starts falling behind Tyreek Hill, maybe a couple of other wide receivers. I already think he's one of the best values because when he has been healthy, no one, not even Justin Jefferson, has been anywhere close to Cooper Cup's level the last two seasons. So I think he's a good value in the middle of the first round. And now if that falls even a little bit further, it's just going to make me want to draft him even more. I still think he's going to stay in the first round. I would be surprised if he drops out of the first Same. round. But maybe he does drop down a couple of spots. Maybe there's something that that worries people. I mean, I mean I'm sure you are like me where you are getting notifications from you know, various platforms and news yep. outlets uh, <laughs> about guys whose injury status is changing. And I think there's something to say when you were on the clock and you're drafting and you see like a, a Q or an O next to somebody's name about their injury designation that maybe it gives you a reason to pause a little bit, but I still think Cooper Cup is going to, you know, as long as he's healthy and plays most of the year, will finish the year as a top three fantasy wide receiver. And I feel like he should still be drafted uh, as such. The wide receiver situation in Denver, quite a bit different. Tim Patrick, uh, another really awful injury last year, missed all of the season with a knee injury. Now comes back this year, hoping to make a return to the field and he suffers a torn Achilles. And so for the second straight season, Tim Patrick is done for the year before training camp is over. Uh, that's not all, though. The Broncos did waive K.J. Hamler with a non-football injury designation uh, after he was diagnosed with a mild heart issue. Now, the upside for that, though, is that the Broncos do believe this is a, a thing where it'll keep him out weeks and not months. So there is uh, an anticipation that they'll be able to bring him back after a while. But that leaves us essentially with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Everybody seems to be big on Jerry Judy, but Cortland Sutton's been a different situation. People seem a little bit more hesitant there with this news. Are you back in on him or is there another Broncos wide receiver you might like? My approach with Sutton, I have bumped him up a bit in the rankings, but I continue to see him go as like wide receiver 40 or later. And I'm like, that is around where I have him ranked but I could easily see him be outperforming this. So it's one of those situations where I'm like, I can't say I don't understand why he's going where he's going, but I can, I'm like at the end of the year, I would not surprise me at all. If we look back on that and we're like, we overcorrected far too much from last season. Um, as for other receivers there, Marvin Mims, I think is yeah. worthy of a late round uh, flyer, uh, especially in best ball, because I could see him being very inconsistent week to week, but with his speed and downfield ability, he could have those big weeks. So I do think he is a better and best ball kind of player. But if you're in a deeper league and, and you get into the later rounds of your draft and he's a name that's there, I, I think it's fine to, to take a shot on him. Mims, I definitely am in on, especially in the late rounds, because where the ADP is, it's it's almost free uh, in drafts. So that one I'm, I'm totally fine with. I have been 
kind of a Cortland Sutton stand. And I, I'm sort of where you are, where wide receiver 40 is about where I'm comfortable. Although I'll say this, I'm starting to get, I don't know if excited is the word, optimistic about the Broncos offense. And may, maybe this is just, you know, the residual of Sean Payton popping off in that Sports Illustrated <laughs> interview and like, you know, taking shots at Nathaniel Hackett and, and everything else. Maybe that just has me a little fired up. But something tells me that that Payton's going to get this thing turned around, that Russell Wilson is going to be better than he was last year. I think he, he sort of picks up from where he left off at the end of the season. So I, I'm starting to get a little more uh, optimistic, a little more positive. About the Broncos offense, uh, so we'll see there. Uh, so not really news necessarily, but the Hall of Fame inductions are this weekend in Canton, Ohio. Uh, Rondé Barber, Don Coriel, Chuck Howley, Joe Klecko, uh, Darrell Rivas, Ken Riley, Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Demarcus Ware. These are your Hall of Fame inductees for this season. We always sort of talk about the Fantasy Hall of Fame, and I'm talking with Hyth and Kalani. One day we're actually going to, you know, get our stuff together and be organized and, like, do our own, like, Fantasy Hall of Fame inductions. Like, maybe make a video out of it and have some fun. Uh, we always never think about it until, like, this week comes up and it's always too late. But uh, it did make me think, if we were starting a Fantasy Hall of Fame, who would be your inaugural class? Like, anywhere from three to five people, but who would be the first guys you would vote into your Fantasy Hall of Fame? So I went with the with players that I liked to have on my fantasy team. And my favorite all-time fantasy player is Todd Gurley. I drafted him as a rookie in two keeper leagues, and I had him for his entire career uh, because it was a short-lived career. Yeah. But it was amazing. Like, Todd Gurley is the Drake line in, like in personified. Like, he wasn't here for a long time, but he was here for a good time <laughs> because he won people championships year and year out. Like, especially, I think it was 2017, that playoff run that he went on, it, it was like if you didn't have Todd Gurley that year, you could not win a fantasy championship. Uh, Michael Vick, I think, deserves to be in there. Like, Michael Vick's rushing numbers now aren't as impressive when you compare him maybe to, like, Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson and everything. But think about what Michael Vick was doing it when yeah. the other quarterbacks were, like, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning <laughs> and statues. I, I always say, like, for basketball, like, if you put Kyrie Irving in the 60s, like, people would think he's a wizard. That was Michael <laughs> Vick in, in fantasy football. Uh, Arian Foster, undrafted player who yeah. went on to immediately have great fantasy success was amazing until injuries kind of took its toll i i had him in a bunch of leagues won me titles calvin johnson yeah. was the most fun wide receiver when i was a child the lions games were routinely like we're gonna fall behind multiple scores and just have stafford chuck it up to calvin johnson <laughs> and let him do his thing uh and I wanted to go with with the coworker of ours, but I also wanted to give a tight end some love, so I'm split. <laughs> MJD was my first ever fantasy pick. Oh. I would easily put him in the Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. But for years, my tight end approach was just draft Antonio Gates. So I think he deserves to be in as well. So a few things about that. One, Todd Gurley was, I think, one of those first guys where... As a rookie, people were talking about, hey, we should draft this guy in the first round. Yeah. And the consensus was, what are you doing? He's a rookie. And like, you know, in the years since, we obviously swung our opinion on that. But he was like that first guy where we're like, you know, you should draft this rookie in the first round. He's going to be worth it. And he ran for 1,100 yards that year. And that was after he missed the first, what, three or four games, I think, yeah, of the season. Yeah, he missed with like the first month or something like that. Yeah, and it came out and still crushed it. Uh, Michael Vick was absolutely right. Um, I think when you talk about video games, there are generations, right? I am actually of the generation because I'm a little bit, you know, of an old where the greatest video game 
football player I ever saw was Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl. But for a lot of people, Michael Vick and Madden. It's Michael Vick and Madden. Yep. <laughs> like, he really was. It was that guy where it's like, no, you can't use that team because that's just not fair. Like, you can't have Michael Vick. It's just not right. Um, <laughs> Calvin Johnson, I very nearly put on my list. I, I went with another big time wide receiver that I'll tell you about in just a second. Uh, and then Antonio Gates. I had a, a really good friend whose motto when it came to drafting tight ends was if you don't get Gates, then wait, because that was, uh, you know, it's kind of how it went there. Uh, my five. I am going with a co-worker, LaDainian Tomlinson, who, I mean... The best ever. Why not, right? Just just the incredible seasons he had. Uh, and he was always liable to throw a touchdown pass or two, uh, you know, during the season for you. Marshall Falk, who was incredible with the Colts and then got to the Rams and was a big part of the greatest show on turf. Uh, did a lot of amazing things there. Peyton Manning... I know the end of his career was not great when he could barely throw the ball downfield, but man, in his prime, Peyton Manning was a fantasy monster each year, year in and year out. Yeah, Tom Brady had great seasons, but remember, Tom Brady's first few seasons, he was kind of a game manager. Peyton was always way better in Peyton, fantasy. Peyton was always, like, he was always a fantasy stud. Tom Brady was a game manager for the beginning of his career and then turned into a fantasy stud. Uh, Antonio Gates, you had, if you didn't get him, the other tight end that you wanted was Tony Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. For years. Uh, who was actually also the first guy to be like that. Hey, you know, he played basketball. And now all of a sudden, every time you have a tight end who plays basketball, he's Tony Gonzalez. Science. <laughs> at, least, at least we hope so. Uh, so Tony Gonzalez, my tight end, was absolutely amazing. And then you went Calvin Johnson. I went Randy Moss. Yeah, Randy Moss. Is the, <laughs> you have the two, I would say, goats. on Like Randy Moss, I think, for in my fantasy, mm -hmm. I, I was not a lot uh, like playing fantasy for Jerry Rice. But right. for Randy Moss, unquestionably the best. And then LT was so good that leagues made the third round reversal because of him. They were like, <laughs> we can't let the first team get LT and then have two other top 25 <laughs> picks. So after round two, the 12 team would then get the third uh, first pick in the third round because it was just too big of an advantage if you had LT. LaDainian Tomlinson was such a monster in fantasy football. He absolutely completely changed the game. So uh, anyway, that's uh, those are our <laughs> Hall of Fame guys. Uh, congratulations, though, to this year's inductees. Uh, and you can check out the uh, these ceremonies over the weekend. Uh, I'm sure it will be on NFL Network, uh, among other places, coming up this weekend. Um as I mentioned, top of the show, we went to Charger camp. We drove down the road about 45 minutes to Costa Mesa, watched the Chargers practice, had a chance to sit down with a handful of guys. Uh, first, uh, our interview with Josh Kelly, the backup running back entering his fourth season. And we want to sit down and talk to him uh, about what he thinks this offense is going to be like this year. Here with Chargers running back Josh Kelly and uh, entering your fourth season in the year, man. You've been through this a few times. How has your preparation changed now here in year four? Yeah, it's been different. I think year one to two, it was very like <laughs> kind of so like inexperienced. It was more so like, hey, you know, I'm going to study, go out and play, do my thing. And you know, there was kind of like ups and downs with that. Year three and year four now, it's been a lot of like routine. It's like I know what I'm looking for when I'm watching tape. You know, I know how to like bounce back when I'm not having the days that I would like. So it's been more so of a mental thing that I'm learning. That I'm like, okay, like I'll be all right. I'll be fine. And <laughs> let's just keep attacking. You know how football is. Yeah. yeah. And you have so much talent uh, offensively on this team here. And especially in the running back room playing with Austin Eckler. How much does playing with Eckler and all these other vets, like how do you learn so much from them? Yeah, no, I really study like, you know, I've been here for four years. So Seeing these guys play, it's like I study the routines, you know, what Keenan likes to do, what Mike likes to do, what Austin likes to do. It's all different, you know. So I think for me, just learning from Eck, 
because he's directly in my room is pretty cool. Like yeah. seeing what he sees out there, like going through the reads, you know, seeing where his mentality is as a runner. It's really cool, bro. So you can pick up things from each guy. Well, and you guys are in a new offense this year. I know you're still kind of learning things with, with Kellen Moore and everything. Uh, do the running back, do your responsibilities change a lot more in this new offense? What does it look like? Hmm. That's a good question. I think so far we have been used a lot better, like in terms of just like use more in the passing game, use more in like better run situations. It's been pretty cool, man. Like his offense is really dope. I can see why he's been part of one of the most explosive offenses in the history, like just scoring. It's pretty cool, man. So we're learning it. We're attacking it. And we're getting better at it. Cool. And the explosiveness in his offense is something that you hear about with, with this Chargers offense this year is that there's going to be more deep throws and more big plays. How does that help open up running lanes for you as a runner? Oh, it does, man. A lot of teams are going to be playing too high. They're going to be deep. They're going to be trying to back up. So <laughs> that's a light box. <laughs> yeah, man. Like light up the box. Let's go downhill. Just so. like an antsy when you see that. Oh, like. for sure. When it's too high, I'm like, oh man, like let's let's get this run going. <laughs> so I gotta ask you a college question. You're a UCLA guy. Yep. I'm a USC guy. Oh. How, how do you feel about our schools not being in the Pac-12? Anymore? Yeah. How's, how's this gonna work? You know, you know what's crazy about that is that I think I think it's gonna pay off. I think mm -hmm. it is crazy to not think like, oh, they're not in the Pac-12, but they're gonna be playing against really good schools. Mm -hmm. And that competition means better recruits yeah. and also means a better chance of going to like the bigger playoff games, you yeah. know, the bigger bowl games. So I think it will pay off. And I think it was a smart move. You know, like things are changing. The college game is obviously recruiting. Everything is changing. So I think that was a good business move for them. Yeah. Who, who's going to win when you guys match up? Oh, UCLA, like, come on. Come on. What's <laughs> <laughs> up all day? You already know. <laughs> hey, well, he knows. <laughs> uh, you know what? One thing, it is, it's always fun. It's always a good time whenever yeah. they play. But uh, yeah, man, looking forward to it. But, but Josh, man, we appreciate the time. Of course. Get going. But uh, hey, man, best of luck this Thank year. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Right, Thank you so much. Take care. All right, so Josh Kelly, one of the things he talked about was how he thinks this offense is going to use their running backs. You and I sort of laughed. He said they're going to you know, integrate them more into the passing game. And you said after the interview was, how do they get more involved in the passing game? But that seems like a good thing for us. Yeah, it seems great. And my takeaway from talking to Josh Kelly is like, I, I still think the running backs are going to be heavily involved in this offense in the pass attack. It also seems like he has accepted like Austin Eckler is one of the best running backs in the world. <laughs> I just want to do whatever I can to kind of shadow this guy, which tells me that, yeah, Austin Eckler is going to have another big year. He's going to have a big, big year. I know Kellen Moore has said, look, we, we want to rotate other guys through there. But he also is like, yeah, Austin's still going to get most of the work. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's not going to be a surprise. Uh, so thanks to Josh Kelly for his time. Also, we're able to sit down with Chargers tight end Gerald Everett entering his second season uh, with the Lightning Bolts. We got his thoughts on how things are going. Here with Chargers tight end Gerald Everett at camp. And uh, Gerald, first, thanks for the time, man. How you feeling today? Feeling pretty good. You know, day one of pass, glad it's over. But uh, <laughs> it felt pretty good, you know, just to get the rust off a little bit. So for you, this is year two here with the Chargers. Mm -hmm. uh, a mm -hmm. lot has changed. New offensive coordinator. Right. From year one to year two, how how has this offense changed? What's different now than it was last year? Well, last year, you know, obviously, as everyone saw, we kind of stalled late in the season. And that turned to be our ending point. But. Uh, we had a good offense last year. Uh, the ins and outs were pretty complex for opposing defenses. But this year, you know, we, we added a few more kinks. And uh, as you see, we, we've been scoring a lot today. And uh, I'm having a blast. You know, Kellen has done a great job coming and implementing a little bit of what they were doing last year and kind of morphing it into what we were doing. So it feels pretty good. 
And what's it like playing? I mean, you're extremely talented. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Now you got Johnson in here, Justin Herbert, a star with with the new OC. Like, how do you get the most out of every person in this offense? Just holding each other accountable, um, treating every day as its own entity. And, you know, uh, today I made sure I wanted to tell my group, for one, that I want to treat every day and pass like game day. And uh, just kind of make that a routine. But, you know, like we have a, a bunch of stars, like you mentioned before, with the receivers and the running backs and obviously with Justin, um, you know, we just want to be as best we can be for each other and, you know, for the organization. Uh, you know, you guys uh, or you've been you, know, you were here before this. You, you've been a couple other places. How does this offense that you're in now compare to like, some of the other places like you were with you know, the Rams and, and whatever? How does this compare to some of the other the offenses you've been in? Well, football is football. Um, obviously, you know, having a spread offense. I was blessed to go into Sean McVay's offense. Um, my rookie year in 2017 and you know he, he taught me the game really well the ins and outs and he, he kind of simplified it for me uh, for lack of better words but uh, offense is offense around the league we all run similar concepts and it's just the terminology that really uh, differentiates each other so um, but here I mean it's it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry everybody can play any spot so you really just have to know the concept rather than your own position. And you came here last year and you put up a career year numbers wise. You helped. We play fantasy. You helped a lot of people win in fantasy football. But how do you continue then coming off of your best year as a pro? How do you continue to better your game? Really just trying to reach for the stars, man. Really just not being content and just trying to be my best self each year and trying to eclipse my previous production. Uh, it's really helped me, obviously, coming from Seattle a year ago, um, you know, playing with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. Those are all the great stars in the league. And, you know, they'll keep continue to have success. But um, coming over here with Justin and Keenan and Mike and now Quentin, uh, we just want to really reach for the stars and just see how good we can really be. You uh, playing the tight end position. I know all people always talk about it takes a little bit longer to develop as you know somebody who's doing this. Mm-hmm. What is it about being a tight end that takes maybe guys a couple extra years to sort of get ingratiated and integrated into the NFL? Just finding your role within the organization that you play for. Um, really also finding yourself in the league. I mean, everybody has college success if you are fortunate enough to go to the NFL, but really just trying to grow into a star, young star and, you know, do as best you can for yourself and for your organization and just see where that takes you. And again, playing fantasy and stuff, a lot of people are going to be thinking about drafting you and your teammates. Why should they be so excited about this Chargers offense this year? It's a freak show. I mean, we have, <laughs> we, have uh, we have a bunch of stars. You know, I really like to say that we have a super team this year on both sides of the ball, not just offense, but obviously we have Dervin James and Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, et cetera. Um, and, you know, we just really want to just be as best we can be. And we didn't we didn't really end the year last year on the best of terms. And it left a bad taste in our mouth. So really, we just want to see how far we can go, because as you guys know, the NFL changes every year and this roster changes every year. So we can't tell the future. So we really just want to be living the moment and just be in the now. You got a lot of hype on this team. Oh, yeah. The pass catchers. Right, I mean, right. you guys are going to be some red zone monsters, I right, think, this right. year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're definitely going to throw a lot of jump balls, but we have a lot of speed, too. You know, um, we're blessed to have height and ability and speed. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see those three components align when the season comes. A lot of former basketball players, it seems. Who who's got the best game on on and the of the pass catchers? <laughs> uh, I'd have to, I'd be lying if I didn't say myself. But, uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, Keenan he's a big hooper. Uh, Donald's a big hooper, and uh, that's really all I've seen um, up to this point. But you know, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I and mean, we're all athletes, and we're all talented. So. You know, I wouldn't, I, I, I'd be lying but, if but I... yourself? Yeah, I would have to go myself, for sure, for sure, for sure. Hey, well, Gerald, man, we appreciate the time, and uh, yeah. best of luck this season. I appreciate it, man. Thank, Thank you for having you so me on. Much. So, we've talked about tight ends, and we always seem to talk about the guys at the top. 
Everett sort of falls into that category, kind of in the mid range, where you know he could he could finish in the top ten. He could finish like you know seventeen. Who knows what happens? But how do you like him? Are you drafting him? How are you how are you handling Gerald Everett? I don't want to draft Gerald Everett to be my starting tight end just mm. because there's a very crowded passing attack there. But I he's one of my favorite secondary. Like if I miss out on the rookies as my tight end too, I'll pivot to someone like Gerald Everett who's in a high-powered offense with a good quarterback coming off of a career year. And you talk about liking tight ends who've played basketball. Gerald Everett said he is the best hooper on the Chargers. <laughs> so I, uh, I I think he got to get some credit for that. I think he should get some credit for that. He feels like another sort of really good best ball target because yes. he will have those spike weeks, but you don't really want to have to try to figure out on a weekly basis when you can put Gerald Everett in your lineup. Because, you know, more often than not, as you mentioned, with so many guys there, you could be looking at a you know three catch for you know thirty three yards and maybe a touchdown if you're lucky. Yeah. Uh, but but it could be a frustrating ride week to week with Gerald Everett. Uh, best ball seems like a much better situation there. Uh, we are not done with our Charger interviews. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We're going to talk to Austin Eckler and we're going to finish out Florio's Film Festival as well. That's coming up here on the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. So uh, as a part of our trip to Chargers camp, uh, we had the chance to sit down with Austin Eckler, who not only is one of the top running backs in the game, he's also a huge fantasy football fan. Oh, yeah. And so uh, we asked him about that, about running backs, and a whole lot of other things. Uh, take a listen. Here at Chargers training camp, a uh, chance to sit down with Chargers running back Austin Eckler. Austin, man, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Just enjoying this California weather, man, playing some football. It's, uh, it's hard, to, hard to beat this. Absolutely. So you are entering year seven right now. Um, Every year, it seems that there's more and more and bigger, better. How do you keep you know, finding new heights? And then what, what's the goal individually heading into this next year? Yeah, uh, for me, it's always been continue to stay consistent. Um, you know, wh whatever role you get, I don't know what's going to be. It'll play out as the season continues to go on. But um, as I continue to uh, go through practice, start to continue to build my role, um, I'll solidify that and then it's be consistent within that and uh, how I've been able to progress, you know, going back from my special teams days to now was, hey, whatever it is, right, be the best in that. And then when you prove that you can do that, guess what? They're going to put more on your plate and they're going to be, hey, can you do this too? And that's how you continue to develop as a player and as just a human being in general. So it's the same goals for me this year, continue to be consistent and uh, continue to put some pro pro progress in our to our offense. So I'm uh, looking forward to doing that. And you're one of the vets here now. So new OC here, Justin Herbert, a lot of new talent brought in the last couple of years. How can this offense look different this year from what it's been in the past couple of years? Uh, it, it comes down to a lot of things. Um, uh, there's so many different factors that make this game so so great. Uh, but it, when it comes to just overall, um, I, I would say for our offense, it's to continue to be <laughs> consistent, right? Consistency is key, right? We need to keep people healthy, but regardless of who's on the field, uh, it comes down to us making plays when they come to us and being consistent within that. Um, you know, even with last year with people banged up, we were still able to, you know, scratch our way into the 
into the playoffs. Um, obviously, didn't end the way we wanted it to. But for us, how can we be consistent? How can we make plays? We know we're bringing in more playmakers um, with you know our first round pick Q. Looking forward to seeing him out there in action and uh, seeing some of these other young guys step up as well. And so it, it's the development of your team. All right, you, yeah, this is what you did last year. You're bringing some pieces back. Has anyone grown, right? Is anyone playing above, below where there's their standard is? And there's this big shuffle. And you try to find your rhythm. You try to find a cadence. You try to find some type of chemistry that you can move forward with. And once you start finding that, you can hopefully get into a rhythm. Um, but before you do that, right, you got to go out here, go through the growing pains. And so it's going to be fun to find our consistency and our rhythm. So they won in pads. You mentioned Quentin Johnson, some of the young guys out here. Anybody who's immediately caught your eye in practice? Uh, immediately caught my eye. I mean, Jay Herb's been looking looking great. Uh, <laughs> but out of the young guys, not necessarily. Uh, I think it's a little early for that. Today was the first day in pads. Uh, and, you know, time will tell as that, as that plays out. I want to see some of these guys on special teams. Um, that's got a special place in my heart because that's where I started. Yeah. yeah, that's where I started. And uh, so I want to see some some live reps or some, you know, more realistic reps of special teams before I start to make that assumption that people are popping out. And we're, we're fantasy football guys. We know you are one as well. So after you go first pick overall off the board, who would you take second overall? Mm, second overall. Man, um, that's a good one. Um, there's, there's a couple good picks out there. You know, uh, Justin Jefferson's a good one. Uh, I like Saquon. I like um, I like Jonathan Taylor. Um, shoot, there's I mean, it's, I don't even know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You go a receiver. You go on a running back. Uh, well, the first overall is no question, right? Like, I'm always taking myself first. I mean, that's <laughs> the only that's the only thing I can ever control in fantasy football is the way I play. Um, and so it's a rare opportunity. And so, yeah, <laughs> if I'm ever playing, yeah, I'll take myself first. Absolutely. So Kellen Moore comes in, new offensive coordinator. Uh, you know what? What's different in this offense this year? Hmm, different. Um, you know, after this is my third offense I've been a part of, and, you know, all the plays are exactly the same. <laughs> all of them are the same. We, we speak in different languages. And so it comes down to how do you utilize guys, how do you put them in the right space um, to make, you know, their skill set the, the most optimized, right, for that play. And so time will tell. It's hard to tell this early uh, because, you know, coaches, they don't necessarily get judged in preseason like we do. Uh, they get judged during the season. You know, if you're, if you're a good coach, you're just going to play on the season. You're not going to be able to tell in preseason what, what are we talking about. You know, so uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see it play out. But I do know uh, I've been liking what I've been seeing here in practice so far. Um, just been slinging that thing around uh, run game. You know, just, it kind of fits in where it fits in. It's the same type of runs. And now it's just how do you utilize it? How do you get create a chemistry? What's your identity as a team? What's working? You know, where are you strong? Where are you weak? And how do you play around both? And right now, it's no secret what's going on uh, around the NFL with the running back position. What do you think the future looks like for the position? Yeah, I mean, the future for the position is the same as it is right now. You know, we've been making an impact on all teams across every single or every single team. Um, and so it, that's not going to change. You know, there's different types of players, more that some that make more impacts than others. Absolutely. Just like any other position, um, you know, for us, you know, we're. we're going to continue to work as hard as we possibly can. And we're a pivotal part in the offense to be able to run the ball, be able to catch, be able to block for a quarterback. Um, and for us, I just want to see, you know, an opportunity for those guys to actually go out there and when they're on their contract year, get an opportunity to find find a contract, you know, for a team that that wants to have them and have them put um, their their resources into their team instead of being, you know, captured as a, as a one year in this franchise tag. Um, and then put all the pressure back on you for all the risk, and now the organization limits their risk and can potentially get you at a discount. Um, and so that that's why we're we're upset with that. But for the future of the position, nothing's going to change. We're going to keep making plays, keep scoring all the touchdowns. Right, I've scored 38 touchdowns here. I know all the running backs across the league were the ones who scored the touchdowns. You know, and so you know, what's this point? What's this game about? It's about points. 
Uh, it's about points. So we'll score more than you. The <laughs> we're gonna keep making. We're gonna keep scoring points, man. We're gonna keep doing that. So uh, nothing's gonna change. Yeah, I mean, I know. Look, we asked you who the number two pick was. The two of the three people you named were running backs. You see, you threw Stephon mm-hmm. out there. You threw Jonathan Taylor out there. I mean, I know it's just, the CBA still a little ways away, but is this? Do you feel like this is gonna be a, a point of contention when you guys negotiate that next? Yeah, year? you know, it, it's really tough because it's it's a whole group um, collaboration when it comes to us and the CBA. Uh, it's not just one person. It takes individuals to put things on the table to be discussed. Uh, but it's a deeper discussion. And, it, you know, I, I couldn't put myself in a position right now to say, yeah, that's where we're going to be talking about because that's not for that's not for me to say. Um, but for me, I know we're always looking for ways to continue to protect ourselves um, as players. That's why the CBA is where it's at today is because we have to scratch and claw to try to get protection for ourselves as players. And a lot of that comes from players ourselves being like, hey, we went through this situation. This group went through this situation. We want to change this. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a back and forth, right? We got to collab with the owners. And so for us moving forward, there's things like this that happen between these 10 years that we'll, we'll remember and we'll, and we'll write these down. We'll document all these moments and see what, what's worth fighting for. Uh, cause that's what it is when it comes to CBA negotiations. It's, it's a straight up, you know, negotiation and both sides don't want to budge. Um, and it's brutal. You know, it's not, it's not what you see in the media. Media doesn't capture all this stuff, all this stuff that happens behind the scenes for, for good. You know, let's, let's keep it on football. Um, but when it comes to protecting our guys, we're definitely going to stand up for what we believe in. And you mentioned that no one had scored more touchdowns than you these last couple of seasons. We've gotten a lot of air guitars. Yeah. Uh, it, classic celebration. Are you already thinking ahead? Like, uh, you got anything new in store for us this year when you're finding the end? Some more air guitar, man. Well, I told you, I'm, <laughs> I'm consistent, man. You're going to see me. I'm going to be jamming out in the end zone. You know, I want that energy. That's the energy you feel. I feel like when you're on a, at a concert or anything and they're playing, like, the best song or the best part of the song, that's, like, the energy that's in the stadium out of touch. You ever you know? teammates to start playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been, we've been trying. We've been trying. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if we can coordinate something this year. All right. Uh, we were talking about this. Uh, so Super Bowl is in Las Vegas this year. Let's say, you know, Chargers get there. You guys you guys bring bring it home, win, hold the trophy. First thing you do to celebrate after a Super Bowl. So I actually live in, off, in Las Vegas. Okay. Um, and so I can see definitely a celebration at the crib, uh, <laughs> bringing everyone over. That's, like, that's my backyard. So, I mean, I'm already home. There's just... So- all the all my family's the already going to be there. Yeah, right? big cookout, big cookout. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's definitely the plan. Awesome. Well, hey, Austin, we appreciate the time, man. Best yep. luck this season. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to keep up with you. Uh, fantasy. We'll see how your fantasy team is doing. In yeah, season. absolutely, absolutely. I got a couple uh, through my foundation that I that I have going on through the year. So awesome. looking forward to seeing those and I uh, keep them going. And yeah, I have Eckler's Edge as well. So if you want some fantasy knowledge, come yeah. come tune in. Check it out. Cool. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. I right, take care. Yep. Thanks, guys. So. Yeah, we talked about Eckler, and you you asked him, you know, after you take yourself first, who who goes number two? Uh, I'm going to ask you, would you spend the number one overall pick on Austin Eckler this year? I want to say yes. He is my RB1. Uh, it is no secret I have loved Austin Eckler for years. The only reason I'm going to say no is because of the running back talent that is available in round two. Um, I just like, like, if I take Eckler... And then I'm looking for a receiver in round two versus if I take Jefferson and I'm looking for a running back in round two, I feel much better about the round two running back value. So it's the only reason I would pass on him. But he is my RB1, and that doesn't mean he's a lock to finish as the RB1, but to me, he is the safest running back to be like a top five pick. Him or Christian McCaffrey, take your pick, but I think those two are head and shoulders safer than every running back in the league. I have I have Austin Eckler as my RB1 this year. 
just because what I saw from McCaffrey last year, the Niners were using other running backs. He wasn't yep. getting necessarily the majority of snaps or the number of snaps that he was getting when he was in Carolina. Whereas for Eckler, I think his role stays pretty much the same as it has been. You know, look, Josh Kelly, Isaiah Spiller, these guys aren't going to significantly eat into his opportunities. So that makes Eckler a little bit of a safer option as my RB1. More often than that, I probably wouldn't take him as the number one pick overall. It, it, it feels like a thing I would do if I'm sort of playing around with lineups and, and roster builds, right? You know, when you do enough drafts, either enough mock drafts or enough best ball drafts, you want to sort of change it up. So maybe I could see myself taking Eckler then. But I think, you know, if I'm doing a, a league where I'm you know, really seriously trying to, to build a, a roster, uh, I'm probably not taking him number one. Um, it's wild. It's, it's wild. That we're, are, is there a running back you would take number one? No. Wow. No, I'm which is insane because like two years ago, I was saying that like your first two picks should be run. But it's just the way to me, I think there's like seven elite wide receivers and they're all gone by the end of the first round. Yeah. Whereas we were saying you maybe get Jonathan Taylor in round three. You could get Pollard, Saquon, Chubb, Henry, names like that in round two. It, it's just the running the receivers getting pulled up have pushed the running backs down, which to me makes me want to not pay up for a first round running back. No, that makes that makes absolute sense. And I yeah, I think everything you said is right. It's just wild that we're talking about <laughs> not drafting a running back with the number 1 overall pick. I mean, that was I mean, that was automatic for so many years. It was absolutely automatic. But uh thank you to all the folks who sat down with us there uh, in Costa Mesa. Shout out to Austin Eckler, Josh Kelly, Gerald Everett. Uh, looking forward to watching the Chargers get into action. Uh, I know it's just kind of fun to watch. I mean, to kind of be up close and personal, kind of watch these guys practice uh, earlier this week. Yeah, my, my biggest takeaway was they have a lot of size. They have a lot of size. It looks like a basketball. And, and like, Quentin Johnston stands out uh, as, like, the big guy amongst the big group of receivers. Yeah, right? Uh, that and the fact that uh, you know, we were sitting down doing our interviews, and there was another outlet doing interviews uh, just kind of next to us. And Khalil Mack came by with no shirt on. My goodness. His, I mean, his just a chest unit, is man. bigger than my head. Just a physical specimen. It was, I mean, you, you, you know that these guys are, you know, abnormally large and in incredible shape. But it's like when you see it in person, uh, it just sort of reinforces that whole thing. Yeah, I'm always reminded that, like, yeah, if, if some of these D tackles wanted to, they can rip me into pieces. Yeah. And, like, there's nothing I can do to stop them. Well, and, you know, just a reminder, too, that, like, the guys that are, quote, unquote, slow are still faster than oh, the yeah. average human being. You know, some of these linemen who are running, you know, a a 5-4-40, a 5-5-40. Like, that's at, still, that's still like fast. Three, pushing three bills, yeah. you know? like That's still really, really fast. Uh, so just It's just a reminder of, of what kind of freak athletes some of these guys are out there. All right. Time to close the curtain on Florio's Film Festival. It felt like with training camp starting and this being movie number 15, this felt like a good way to sort of wrap it up. And so I wanted to pick something that I thought would make an impact to end the series. So I picked the movie Heat, uh, the synopsis. A group of high-end professional thieves start to feel the heat from the LAPD when they unknowingly leave a clue at their latest heist. Released December 15th, 1995. This was not a summer movie. This was a late end of the year movie. Uh, budget of $60 million, grossed $187 million worldwide. Uh, when you start started to watch it, you sent us the screenshot of the total <laughs> running time. The, the TRT is like two hours and 50 minutes, uh, which puts it among maybe the longest movies that I think we've watched uh, this summer. 
But uh, your first thoughts on on watching Heat? I really liked it. Well, one, I should have known it was going to be a long movie because whenever you get Al Pacino and Robert De Niro together, you're in for a long movie. <laughs> um, it gave me like I, I'm a big mob movie fan and stuff like it gave me some casino vibes a little bit little. uh this movie but i really enjoyed it i'm a big robert de niro fan uh al pacino is also great two two new fathers congratulations yeah, congratulations to, each to of both you. of them yeah um, <laughs> but it was one of those movies where like it's easy to follow like you could miss a couple of lines or something like that and you're like okay i know exactly what's going mm -hmm. on still uh but the dialogue was great like in this scene where Pacino and De Niro meet for the first time. They go get coffee mm -hmm. and they're talking. And then Robert De Niro's like, listen, we're having coffee. I know what you look like. I will. It will not stop me if, if you get in my way. <laughs> right. I'm like, ah, like this is why I love these movies for like those kind of dialogue. And I remember when this movie was first released, like that was the scene that everybody was talking about. It's like we get De Niro and Pacino like on screen together face to face, like just, you know, two two masters of their craft going at it. It was like going back and watching that scene again, like it still hits. That was my favorite scene of the entire like I know there's much more exciting parts, but yeah. I like to me, those are always the best part of movies like this. Like, yeah, like I love in like Goodfellas, like the dialogue, like yeah. when they're when they're worrying and stuff like that. So yeah, finally I, I was waiting. And when that happened, that that happens right, and then there's a big shootout right yeah, after. Mm -hmm. I was like, "How is there an hour left in the movie?" <laughs> right? <laughs> there's still a lot of time left in the movie. It's funny too because that scene is—it's the scene you get in a lot of movies, like a lot of superhero movies or good versus evil movies, where it's like you know the the supervillain and the superhero meet up, and there's always that like you know we're not so different, you and I, and that's kind of what that was. But it was so well done with two amazing actors that you don't you know like in a lesser movie, it's just corny and yeah. terrible but here it it works really really well um one thing about that al pacino revealed that uh, for that scene uh robert de niro felt it shouldn't be rehearsed so that the unfamiliarity between the two characters would seem more genuine uh the director michael mann agreed so they did that scene with no practice rehearsals really yeah was that like the first take i think that might have been the first take that is amazing that makes that scene 10 times even better. Yeah. Like. I mean, they just sat down and again, like two veterans, two guys who had been uh, doing this for decades and they just, they just kind of got after it a little bit. Um, the other big Al Pacino line was, I don't even know if I can quote it. She's got a great, <laughs> uh, apparently that was improvised. And, and Hank Azaria said it scared the hell out of me because he didn't know it was coming. So the look of shock on his face was actually genuine because he said Al Pacino terrified him it in that scene. I love stuff like that when there's like genuine, like not rehearsed or, or first take or anything like that. It always makes me appreciate a scene even more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's funny because I guess the character just reading this uh, Pacino's character actually was supposed to have kind of a cocaine addiction. And I don't think they really showed that in the movie, but that was supposed oh. to explain his weird outbursts and his weird emotional you know, charges. So <laughs> I will. I was like, this guy is very invested in his job. Yes. Like he he that's what he lived also the one question i had okay it one it was very cool being in la and like hearing the streets and everything like mm -hmm. that but the largest shootout in la history occurs right like <laughs> right um they run like one block to a grocery store and everyone there is completely oblivious as to what is going on i was like ah. you would think that you would hear 
all the gunshots. It was a gunfire. war scene a half a block down. Like, but besides that, I thought the movie was extremely well done. Yeah, no, I mean, there was like, I mean, they literally were, it was a war zone in downtown Los Angeles. For and that scene. Robert De Niro will not be stopped in that. Like he grabs his his boy and is running through shooting. Yeah. one. Of, I was like, this is well. So in that scene, uh, you you have Val Kilmer who you know he's pinned down. It looks like he immediately you know changes changes the clip in his gun and keeps firing. Uh, he was apparently thrilled to learn that that moment in the movie where he runs out of bullets, rapidly changes his magazine. It's regularly shown to Marine recruits as an example of how to perform the action properly. That, I mean, <laughs> if I was amazing. him, I'd be bragging about that too. I'd be like, I do this better than people who do it for a living. <laughs> so, like, the, you know, the Marines use that scene as a little bit of a, a training example for that. Um, it's interesting because Val Kilmer's character is the only one of the uh, of the thieves that survives. Yeah, everyone else dies except he ends up leaving with the money and leaving without the thing he wanted most, which was his wife and kid. Um, he had to abandon them basically i do like that like you have to make sacrifices to you know yeah. it, i i never like when stuff is easy mm. um but and the same point of time I, I said that expression wrong but um <laughs> i don't maybe it's me when i watch movies like this mm. i am not rooting for the good guys like i am not rooting for al pacino to catch robert de niro i'm rooting for robert de niro to get away i see i watched it and i i don't think i had a rooting interest at all i was just more interested in sort of the cat and mouse aspect of yeah. it, um, you know, because in essence, the, the two main characters are very similar. They're just they're opposite sides of the same coin. They're two guys who are just obsessive with what they do, who mm -hmm. struggle with interpersonal relationships, uh, but who are very, very good at their respective jobs. And so for me, it was just interesting to kind of watch those two guys, uh, you know, kind of go up against each other there. I, I don't. I could be wrong, but I, my per, like in movies like this, like crime mob movies, I think Robert De Niro is the perfect actor every time. Like, I think he crushes every role because his characters are always different, like intimidation in different ways. In Casino, he's more like buttoned up and trying to be level headed, but he always, in my opinion, just like steals the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, but he, but he and Pacino were amazing in this one. Yeah. Uh, in order to prepare the actors for the roles of uh, Neil McCauley's crew, Michael Mann took Val Kilmer, Tom Sizemore, and Robert De Niro to Folsom State Prison to interview actual career criminals. Okay. Kind of wild. Um, I, seems kind of intense. Again, whenever actors go to this level to get into their character, I, I think it's amazing. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, I ask you, I think I know what the answer is. Would you willingly watch this movie again? Yeah, I probably would soon just because I, I, I'm one of the, like, I always pick up on stuff better a second viewing. So oh, yeah. this is one that I will definitely be watching again. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I hadn't watched it for start to finish in a long time and was reminded how uh, amazing this movie actually was so all right so here we go 15 movies in the books you have been ranking them it's time to unveil your final rankings here and in usual fantasy i'll give them in tears too uh so there's a top three for me and uh pulp fiction is one crimson tide is two heat was three i went back and forth on two and three i yeah. would watch all of these movies over again they were clearly in my opinion the top three a uh, big second tier i have speed at four point break at five con air at six terminator two at seven mission impossible at eight the Rock at nine and Independence Day at ten. Sorry, Patrick Claybon. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the the final tier 
from dusk till dawn at 11, mm. Desperado at 12, but then the bottom three are really in their own uh, face-off <laughs> at 13, The Last Action Hero at 14, and my least favorite movie by far that we watched this summer was Armageddon. Yeah, I, I really thought face-off was going was gonna to land in the bottom, but uh, there were others that were the worse, huh? The, the memes won it for me in face Like, I, every once in a while, I still see a meme that's like, here's Nick Cage in it, and then it's just a picture of, like, John Travolta, and I start cracking <laughs> up laughing at that. There's no redeeming qualities for Armageddon, mm. and The Last Action Hero was just one that was hard for me to get to. Yeah, I, I think I said it at the time, like 14-year-old me would have loved The Last Action Hero, but uh, we live in a world where Fast X exists. And so like <laughs> what 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 The Last Action Hero was sort of doing like as a joke, like the Fast series is like doing for real now. And it would have been impossible for us to get through the film festival final time without mentioning Fast. That yeah, was like the movie of our summer. Yeah, it was the movie. Of, I mean, it, it's sort of what kind of launched this whole thing, right? I mean... My thing was, if you like Fast and the Furious, you should watch Point Break. And that yeah. kind of helped us get into this whole thing. There. And and you, I know you've seen all of these movies, but you binged, while I was watching these, you binged all of the Fast I and did. The I did. I binged all of the Fast. I will say there's a point when they all kind of run together. Oh, yeah. A little like bit. Five through, five on, they all kind of seem the same. They sort of run together after a little bit. But, you know, like, at some point, you're also like, these are ridiculous. I'm just going to lean into it. And we're going to enjoy it. Like, you just for, turn the brain off. We were talking about it before, but for some reason, producer Haitham Kalani loves to watch Tokyo Drift and to it. me it is the, That's the that and worst are the one of the worst series. ones it's the worst one in the series and he loves it he actually like genuinely loves it I don't know I don't know why we're friends I don't understand it uh, anyway should we call should we call the uh, Seattle receiver Drift King uh, Metcalf why have we never thought of that? We should call him Drift King Metcalf now. That's solely what I'm... I'm just going to be like, yeah, Drift King. Like, <laughs> Tyler Lockett and Drift King Metcalf, you know? Jackson Smith and Jigma, the whole the whole crew there Drift in Seattle. King Metcalf. There it is. All right. Uh, that's a way to, to sort of end this one. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Thanks again to the uh, the Chargers for letting us hang out at camp and, uh, and giving us some good folks to talk to as well. Uh, we do have some big guests coming up, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So uh, something to stay tuned for the next few weeks. And also... We are going to be going to two shows a week uh, really very soon. Now that training camp's underway, the preseason's starting, uh, we are going to be coming at you two times a week. Look for us on Mondays and Wednesdays uh, starting very much in the near future. In the meantime, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy the Hall of Fame game. Football's officially back, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.